The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, without a doubt, U.S. President Trump has dramatically changed the political landscape. What does that mean for politics and for politicians moving forward, whether it's tonight or four years from now? What will President Trump's legacy be? Daryl Bricker is the CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs. Daryl, welcome back to the show. Hello. Hi, Daryl. Hey, Daryl. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I guess we're a little glitch there. Yeah, that's a no worries, uh, no worries at all. First off, before we get into kind of your 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 thoughts on on Trump's legacy, I did want to talk about because uh, some of that latest polling, um, the latest uh, showing, I think that uh, the president trails Joe Biden by about ten percentage points. Uh, you know, Hillary Clinton was leading four years ago as as well. We've heard that polling has changed. I think a lot of people are nervous about it. When you look at those numbers, what do they tell you um, going into, yeah, you know, the next few hours, what we might see tonight? Well, we're right to be nervous. I mean, that's uh, given what happened four years ago. But uh, I will say for everybody who's listening, uh, Hillary Clinton was leading by maybe three or two Mm. in the last election campaign. Uh, Our latest uh, we put out yesterday with Reuters uh, had uh, Joe Biden ahead by seven. Uh, I think the consensus of polls is it's somewhere around seven or eight. Uh, Mm. At the tail end of the last campaign, we really did see a tightening of uh, of the yeah. race that Donald Trump started to improve, uh, we're not really seeing a similar type of trend. And in the battleground states, it's definitely closer. So you can take that uh, lead that uh, that uh, Joe Biden has and, and cut it down by half. But still, in all of the uh, hello, hi, no, I'm still here. No, in all in all of the uh, the battleground states we've been tracking, we still have Joe Biden ahead. Now I'm supposed to say anything can happen. But there's really no evidence in any of the data that we have right now that that Donald Trump is in the same position he was the last time. Well, it's going to be fascinating to watch, uh, without a doubt, tonight and into the next couple of days. I thought your comments uh, in an article recently were very interesting. You had you had talked about um, Donald Trump and and his legacy, and you talked about his superpower and and how that has uh, benefit benefited him. When you talk about superpower when it comes to Donald Trump, what is that, and how has it worked to his advantage? His ability to actually attract all of the media attention and to completely define the situation. So um, in the last election campaign, uh, what we saw was that it was 24-7 coverage of Donald Trump. His, uh, his rallies were live television everywhere. Uh, he, he, in terms of you know, election budget, he was way, 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 way overspent by Hillary Clinton in terms of paid advertising. But he used his ability to attract the media uh, to uh, a very strong advantage, which was one of the reasons that he was able to be as competitive last time as he was in one. This time around, they're avoiding him a bit more, uh, but he's still defining the campaign. Uh, All of the votes are either uh, for Donald Trump or against Donald Trump. What's going on with Joe Biden is sort of a a sideshow. He's kind of like the caboose on the train. The big train and the big engine in this thing is still Donald Trump. All right. You bring up a number of interesting points there, and I want to kind of take a, a closer look at them. First off, do you think that there's been any other politician like him in the past, I mean, even close to him? In terms of his ability to attract universal media attention to the complete uh, elimination 
uh, there's opposition. I can't think of anything in North America that's of a similar nature. Um, uh, you know, maybe somebody like a Rob Ford in Toronto for uh, a yeah. period of time where everything was defined completely by by him and nobody really knew anything else about any of the other people who were involved in the election campaign. I mean, you saw a similar thing there. But uh, maybe in some other countries where we've seen, you know, populist politicians who have merged. But uh, in my living memory, I can't really remember anybody having as dominating a presence as Donald Trump. So, so Daryl, what do you think that this means for for politics and for for politicians moving forward? Do you, do you think that we will see a move to more of this? In fact, I think we already are. But do you think that we will see more and more politicians trying to grab hold and try to emulate what Donald Trump has done? It would be. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. I think that you're quite right. I think other politicians will try to emulate what Donald Trump did. That his ability to attract all of that attention and completely define the campaign is what every politician is generally trying to do anyway. Maybe not as, uh, uh, you know, as uh, in as uh, a gauche way as Donald Trump did it, but <laughs> but certainly that's what they're trying to do. Uh, but these might be things that are unique to Donald Trump. Uh, yeah. Many, I think, of uh, politicians have tried to do it, but Donald Trump is the first one who's been able to succeed in doing it at the level that he's been able to, to do it. He's really been able to um, clear out the middle ground, hasn't he? I think that there, in, in just society as well, there, there's, a, a real, there's real sides now. I mean, it's, you know, it seems left is left and right is right. And that's happening generally. So if mm-hmm. uh, so, that's something that Donald Trump found. Uh, it wasn't yes. something that he created. So even in Canada right now, so if you take a look at our politics and you look at our last federal election, there's a pretty clearly defined progressive or left side of the agenda, and there's a pretty clearly defined conservative side of the agenda. Uh, that middle ground, that old blue liberal or red Tory, uh, you know, they're basically an endangered species in Canada. I know that a lot of people still try to define themselves that way, but when you really look at how they vote, they tend to be on one side of the fence or they tend to be on the other side of the fence. That idea of the old liberal conservative switcher, they're not that big a group anymore in politics. It's the same in the United States. People who cross back and forth between parties, not as big as it, as it used to be. There's been a lot of talk about uh, undecided voters in this election, and I know a lot of people are like, "How can you be undecided? How can how can how can you be that way?" Um, but there there, and I think it's a fairly small group uh, in in the U.S. Maybe different in in Canada when it comes to to politics, although narrowing. But I think what happens then is that is ensuring that the vote gets out, the push to make sure that the people who support you get to the polls, and that is something that we've seen on on both sides in in the u.s during the last few few days and, and we saw it in ontario and you know in other uh, other elections as well um and and really that's what elections have become about it's about mobilizing your base now in, in, interestingly federally in canada over the last two elections are we've moved up voter participation higher so there's a bit more persuasion maybe going on but in the united states it's really been about motivating their base of voters not uh not trying to persuade people to cross from one party to the other so the real question in this uh, in this election is who is really motivated to show up and what we've mm-hmm. been seeing in our polling in the united states is that uh is that there is a bit more motivation among the republicans there just may not be enough of them this time daryl you had touched on it a little bit earlier you said uh, uh that that 
President Trump is really driving the vote this time uh, around. It's it's either a vote for Trump or a vote, um, you know, against Trump. Can you ex- expand on that just a little bit? Yeah, he's really, yeah, really, yeah. really the defining element in the entire campaign. People who are pro-Trump are pro-Trump down the line. You can look at any mm-hmm. particular issue. Whatever Donald Trump says is the right thing to do, they're aligned with him. You ask him who would do the better job on this issue, Joe Biden or Donald Trump, there's absolutely no doubt in their mind that it would be Donald Trump. And then on the other side, the Democrats, it's the exact opposite. There's absolutely no doubt who would do a better job on every single issue that they're voting on, and it's not Donald Trump. It's, it's Joe Biden. Now, their attachment to Joe Biden and his running mate is not as strong as their uh, as their detachment from Donald Trump and his running mate, but Donald Trump is still the operative element in all of this. So when all is said and done, uh, you know, Daryl, let's say um, President Trump does not get another four years tonight. Uh, we, we've heard a lot about um, divisiveness. We've had um, a lot of talk about concern about violence, what, what may happen uh, this evening and the days to come. How do you, how do you think that America is going to heal from this? And, and, and what's it going to take leadership-wise to do so? Well, America has shown a remarkable capacity over the years, over the centuries, uh, to find a way to heal. I mean, you know, a country that was created out of revolution, uh, they found a way to, you know, create a create a government and and uh, move from being just this little, you know, uh, few states in uh, in, in uh, the eastern United States and southern United States to really becoming a world power over the space of you know 200 years, and they've been able to maintain that for for that period of time. I mean, I'm old enough to remember what the elections were back in the ni- late 1960s, early 1970s. They were just as nasty as everything that we're seeing right now with Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I mean, we tend to have an ahistorical view of things. We think that everything that's happening to us right now is the only time it's ever happened. Uh, You know, America's been through these kind of things in some version before. Uh, And Donald Trump, you know, he may be, uh, you know, the most garish example of something like this that we've seen in a while. But he's he's certainly not completely unique. And I expect what's going to happen after this election, particularly if Donald Trump is defeated, that America will sort of get back onto some version of of healing. But uh, the divisions are deep. They were not created by Donald Trump. They were a pre-existing situation. And it really comes down to whoever is going to come next, whether or not they can find a way to heal it. That, that's an interesting point uh, when you look back at past elections saying that uh, they were just as nasty as the ones today. I, is it because we have, you know, social media that we're constantly strapped to our iPhones and, and scrolling through Twitter and Facebook and Instagram? Is it because of the, uh, the, the, the bombardment of all the news channels, that sort of thing, that it just seems worse? Or are we just um, more, hy- yeah, are we just more hyper aware of it all? I think it's a combination of two things. One of them is definitely that. It's the ability to communicate on this, the ability to plug into it, the ability to curate your own version of politics based on who you decide to follow, who you decide to listen to through social media. But the other part is really a statement about, and and people might find this hard to believe, but I'll I'll say it, (laughs) it is really a statement about our success in terms of education. 
I mean, we have a much more literate population than we've ever had, a much more questioning population than we've ever had. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, you put those two things together, a massive amount of access to information and a belief that you're able to make up your own mind about some of these things and make your decisions on your own. It's no wonder we find ourselves in this type of a, a, a combustible environment. So it's the combination of our self-belief that we're able to, you know, make our own decisions about this and we're going to participate in politics and, and we're going to have strong opinions rather than just listening to what we're told and also curating our own version of reality through social media. I think those two things come together to cause what we're seeing today. Daryl Bricker is the CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs. Daryl, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you um, about about Canadian interest in this election. It seems like it is over the top again. It just might be amplified because of the things that we just spoke about. But it seems that there's so many Canadians who are on edge, um, you know, and, and certainly maybe the the, the hyper politically involved a little bit uh, a little bit more so. But why do you? feel or why or what has your polling and what is your sense of the work that you've done looking into this what do you think it is that has canadians so jacked up about this election well mainly just as it is in the united states it's donald trump and and the reason for that is in the entire time i've been doing this i mean i've been in this business for uh, for you know 35 years believe it or not uh, he <laughs> is the most reviled divisive um, um, uh, and I shouldn't say uh, reviled, that's the wrong way of putting it. He is the most animating politician, it's probably the best way of putting it. Because in fact, 22% of Canadians actually think having Donald Trump in the White House would be better for Canada than having mm-hmm. Joe Biden. So it's not a universal opinion that everybody dislikes uh, dislikes uh, Donald Trump, but the vast majority of Canadians do. And, and you know, what we see in our polling over the years is Democrats always do better than Republicans when you ask Canadians who they prefer um, in terms of presidential races. But I've never seen the numbers like we get for Donald Trump. There's a (laughs) lot of people who really have their nose out of joint about the way he's been governing the United States. And as a result, they're really hoping for a change as a a, a result of the the election, either tonight or through the next next few days. So I think that's the reason. Uh, Just like Americans are attracted to that flame, Canadians are attracted to the same flame. I think some of those numbers for Alberta were pretty interesting as well. Uh, maybe a little bit different than the national numbers when it came yeah, to, you know. Yeah, 45%. Yeah. Yeah, interesting stuff. There could stuff. be two reasons for that. could be two reasons yeah. for that. One of them is Alberta is a bit more conservative generally. Of course. everything that you want to ask. But I think that there's probably a lot of concern in Alberta about what Joe Biden has been saying about oil yeah. and gas. And yeah. what the, the Democrats have been saying about oil and gas. And that's the same sort of thing that you're seeing in places like Texas where people yeah. are really concerned about the future of the oil and gas industry. So Joe Biden makes makes Alberta nervous. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, what what is the future of Keystone XL? Daryl, great to talk with you. Thanks for joining me uh, t- uh, this afternoon. I was going to say tonight. We're not at tonight yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to fast forward to about uh, 9 o'clock this evening. Thanks okay. for checking in. <laughs> Deep breaths. Take it easy. Deep Take breath. it easy, you as well. Daryl Bricker, the CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs, joining us uh, this afternoon. Yeah, it was... Um, the latest polling that uh, Ipsos did said that while most Canadians aren't thrilled about the possibility of a second Trump administration, those in Alberta are torn between the two presidential candidates. As you heard, Daryl just mentioned, about 45% of Albertans agree uh, that uh, Biden would be good for Canada. Four in 10 agree um, um, that uh, more Trump would be 
a good thing. Expectations for a Trump win are strongest in Alberta.